you for joining me for another Sunday Afternoons with Reverend Lucretia. So we have finally made it to Easter. And the name of today's talk is I Am He Who Lives and Was Dead. We will be talking about the preparation of the 40 days and the fact that we finally got here. So because music is such a huge big part of Easter for me, I have chosen three songs. The first is Forever by Carrie Job. The second is Christ the Lord Has Risen Today by Charles Wesley. And then we're going to have a version of Joyful Joyful sung by Lauren Hill. So if you would like to listen to the songs before you hear the talk, just go ahead and click on the link before. I will have them in there. So we're going to do a little bit of a summary. We've been preparing for 40 days to get here. We'll be talking about that. I will be reading from scripture and the passage that I have chosen is the Luke 24 version. We will be talking about Lemza. He is a biblical scholar and his definition of the resurrection and also his description about the destiny of Jesus. We will be talking about what it is like to have the disciples point of view on the resurrection. We will be talking about the fact that we are born again every single day that we get out of alignment and we come back into alignment we are born again so we will be talking about the fact he is alive and so are we so we've been working for 40 days to get closer to god to change our belief systems that are holding us back to be willing to release and let go of that which does not serve us any longer Phil Moore says, resurrection takes place in us each and every time we rise to Jesus's realization of the perpetual indwelling life that is connecting us to the Father. A new flood of life comes to all who open their minds and their bodies to the living word of God. So the Easter message, as you know, is the living awareness that Christ's potential is not limited to one day. The transformational power that we have is lived every single day. Resurrection is the power to overcome, restore, renew our health, our relationships, our finances with new ideas and new possibilities to move beyond the physical senses to the understanding of the oneness with God at all times, despite what you see in the external forms. The kingdom of God is within you. We talk about that all the time. We will be talking quite a bit about that, that we are 100% whole and complete already, that transformation takes place through prayer and meditation. We talked about the different ways to get closer to God, and it requires a willingness to change. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15.31, I die daily. And what we will be talking about the fact is we have the potential to transform ourselves and be reborn again every single day. So all four Gospels contain the accounts of disciples witnessing resurrected Jesus. Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20, and also Acts 1 and 1 Corinthians 15. So I will be reading from the Luke 24 version. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? 
the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered the words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. So we're going to be talking about that quite a bit. So Lamza is a historian of the Bible, and he talks about the fact that in many cases, the literal translation doesn't match the versions that have been handed down to us. So in Matthew 27, 16, it says, At about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani, which was passed down as, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus never thought that God had forsaken him. This has been grossly misinterpreted. The Aramaic word shabachthani is derived from shabak, which means to keep, reserve, leave, spare, forgive, allow, permit. It was written in the first person singular, which means he was talking about himself. It literally means, my God, my God, for this I was kept or spared. That is to say, it was my destiny to die this kind of death. There was nothing in the tone of his cry to suggest a cry for help. In his prayer in the garden in Gethsemane, Jesus had overcome all limitations of his body and had left the outcome to his father. Remember, he said, I commit myself to you, thy will, not mine, be done. So the Aramaic words for forsaken me are tuatani, to forsake or forget. Jesus never used these words. Jesus believed, as did the other Jews of that time, that the manner of a man's death is predestined, and when death comes, God is closer to you. Therefore, God could never have forsaken him at his time of death. For three years, Jesus taught God is a loving father, aware of the fall of a sparrow. Jesus always felt God was with him. He predicted the disciples would forsake him, but the father would stay by him. In John 16:32, it says, you will leave me alone, and yet I am not alone because the father is with me. In Matthew 20:18, it says, The Son of Man will be delivered to the high priest and crucified and rise on the third day. He knew that he was destined to do this. In John 18:37, it says, For this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Jesus could not have contradicted all of his teachings. Even his enemies said he trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. That's in Matthew 27, 43. So in the garden, Jesus assured his disciples he could ask angels to come down and fight for him, but his death on the cross was inevitable. He had to drink the cup because it was God's will. There was no confession of defeat or despair, but it was a screaming of victory and triumph. His mission had been fulfilled. When he said, my God, my God, this is my destiny. I was born for this. 
I know I am innocent. Let the people think what they wish. But to me, my death has a different meaning. It was addressed to God, this saying, but it was meant to strengthen the disciples and friends who stood bewildered watching him die. Remind them that this was his destiny, that the Messiah had to suffer at the hands of the enemies. Yet he had confidence in God. These scriptures could not be fulfilled, nor could he have risen if he had any, even slight doubt in God. His last words were, Father, forgive them, and O oh, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. So let's talk a little bit about what Lamza has to say about the resurrection. The Aramaic word for to rise is calm, which means to rise up from death, to stand up, to be successful. He has risen means he has succeeded, he has come through, or he has awakened. The disciples could not believe Jesus could conquer death because according to Jewish theology, the triumph over evil forces would follow the coming of the Messiah to establish the Jewish state in the supremacy on the earth. But Jesus, like all other Jews in the Semitic tribes, believed in the immortality and the resurrection of the soul, the ultimate victory, the spiritual forces over evil. But the dead had to wait until the kingdom of God was established. And according to them, Jesus had not fulfilled the messianic prophecies. How could he conquer death? The disciples did not expect to see him again after he was laid in the tomb. The women went there merely because it was the custom. Most disciples had already gone back to their jobs that they had before, or they were in hiding because they were so afraid that they would be found. They were heartbroken. They were lost at the sudden apparent, uh, apparent end of one that they had expected to live forever. They were disappointed. There was a frustration of their dreams for the kingdom of heaven on earth. They were orphans. The assurances that Jesus gave them were so vague that they had very little meaning and they served as a consolation, but they didn't really understand them. For three years, Jesus had been teaching about the kingdom of the spirit, but they didn't understand it at all. They coveted earthly gains. They had left their occupations to follow him. They expected to be rulers and judges in the earthly kingdom. They saw him as the suffering servant of Isaiah. Jesus triumphed over physical forces and death, the enemy of mankind which can only destroy the physical man. He rose with a spiritual body, the new Adam, free from all weaknesses and limitations which bind the body. His body was transfigured. Now he could pass through a closed door or move to another location without hindrance. Previously, he was subject to hunger and thirst. Now he had victoriously risen with a glorious body. The disciples and followers who saw him after the resurrection also had risen to a new power. What seemed like a failure turned out to be a victory. Jesus's death had aroused sympathy and had won some followers. The social event of a small town became a national significance. Those who were remaining loyal, their dreams would come true that they would sit with him in the new realm, which would conquer all of the kingdoms on the earth. They saw life on earth was temporal. 
and that life was a preparation for the life hereafter, and that death had a new meaning. In Aramaic, death means mata, the word means not present, but somewhere. Death to Jews was a calamity, but to disciples, it was a victory. The physical body of the Lord had died, but his divinity survived. Death had been dealt a mortal blow, and immortality had a new meaning. So while I was preparing for this talk, I watched hours and hours of the Palm Sunday procession. You can go on YouTube now and watch the live procession. It was filmed in Israel. So it started at Bethpage. It went all the way to the Mount of Olives and it went all the way into Jerusalem. You could watch it live. Because of COVID, tourists weren't there. So it was only the actual people who lived there. But there were thousands of people and they were carrying palms and they were singing and they were dancing and they were being overjoyed. And the procession went on for hours and it made me realize that this was a real place and it made me understand what it must have felt like as I saw all of the streets that they walked down and all of the images of all of the places that they passed and I started to imagine what this must have been like from the disciples point of view. So I want you to think about someone that you loved very deeply. You gave up your job to be with him, your family, your security, and you followed him around for three years. So this friend told you that he was going to be arrested, that there was going to be a trial, a fake trial as it was, but he was going to be crucified, and it made no sense to you. How could this happen? He was supposed to be the Messiah. He was supposed to be able to conquer all. So they take your friend away. This is someone you had been eating with, you had been sleeping next to, you had been walking for miles with, you had been dealing with crowds, hunger, fatigue. There had been lots of bonding going on. You had ate many meals. You had laughed. You had seen the miracles done. You talked about really heavy stuff. You had been together for three years. They took him away. You saw him humiliated. To say nothing of the physical torture. And you must be saying to yourself, wait, wait, what's happening? This was unbelievably horrible. You couldn't do anything to stop it. You were in shock. You were horrified. It happened so fast. They had just eaten with him on Thursday. Then it happens and you watch him die. So think of someone you really, really love that you had been with for three years and you watch him die. You are filled with fear, horror, disbelief, depression. You have to hide or you think that you're going to be killed. Can you just run back to your old life? And then you hear the stories that he's back. And then you see him walking, talking, and laughing. And he reminds you that he told you this was going to happen, that there was going to be a transformation. There would be an overcoming of death of all of the earthly obstacles, of all of the belief systems. He was here to come up with a whole new way of looking at everything in the world. That's what Easter is. That's Easter. It's all about transformation. It's all about letting go of the pain, of letting go of the past, of letting go of the sadness, of letting go of all of the choices that you made. It's about transformation. And so we get to the transformation, the ability we have been given by the Christ Spirit who lives inside us to change our minds, our hearts, and our way of living every single day. 
the ability to understand we are not just our bodies, the ability to change our minds from the way we used to think about things to new ways, the choice to forgive by understanding all people are our teachers and we couldn't learn the lessons we need to learn without them. The ability to move past all of our stuck points, the way we used to be is not how we have to be anymore. We are born again all the time. So I had this profound experience this week and it just gave me a new understanding of being born again. So I was given a gift certificate and I bought these new comforter for my bed and it came with a bed skirt. And so I was able to push the mattress off and put the bed spring bed skirt on and then push the mattress back on to the bed. But somehow the skirt got all crooked. And so I wanted to make it all straight and pretty. And so I lifted up the mattress with one hand and I put it on my head and I pulled out the bed skirt to make it all straight. And it was all fine. And I went back to sleep and I was happy to be in my new comforter and I was all ready for spring and it smelled all good. And there was flowers. It was pink and purple and, and orange and, and yellow. And it was beautiful. And I was going to have my first night's sleep. And I woke up at about two o'clock in the morning and I was crying. Tears were pouring down my face. I was in just a ridiculous amount of pain. I can't even tell you. You guys know that I already have arthritis in my neck. And so the pain was just excruciating. It was just unbelievably unbearable. And I woke up crying and I realized that it was not just the pain, but it was the fear. The fear that the pain wouldn't go away, that I wouldn't be able to get to work, that I would have to take pills to make the pain go away and the pills would make my stomach sick, that I would have to go to the doctor, that I would have to spend all this money. Mostly I was in touch with how quickly you can go from being really great to being in despair and fear. And so I started praying. And so I did these neck exercises. I have a chiropractor who taught me exercises I can do for my neck. I put ice on my neck. I took some ibuprofen and I started talking to God. And I said, dear God, I know you're going to heal me. I know you're going to bring me back into alignment. I know you want me to be happy, joyous, and free. I know this is not what you want for me. I know that you want me to be 100% free of all pain and able to go and live my life and that you're going to heal me and that you're going to cure me. And what I realized that my neck being out of alignment was a perfect metaphor. That when we get out of alignment with truth, what I call going down the rabbit hole, we start being in fear and we take off and it builds momentum and we get to this place where we see only all of the things that are going wrong and we get into a place of anxiety and we get into this place where we feel like we're all of the things are going to just go wrong in our life. But what happened was I had so much faith that God could, the God in me, the God that lives inside me could get me through this moment and that I was going to be all right. And I kept saying, God, I know you're going to heal me. And I started saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And after a couple of hours, I was able to get back to sleep and I woke up and I realized that this was just the perfect metaphor. 
And so I'm telling it to you because what I realize is that when we get out of alignment, we have the power to get ourselves back into alignment with God's help every single day. I had so much faith in God. Whenever we get out of alignment and come back into truth, we are born again. And I thought of the hundreds, maybe thousands of times that I've said to God, thank you so much for saving me. Thank you so much. So I've talked in some of my other talks about I've had a couple of suicide attempts. And so God saved me on those. But God saves me over and over and over again. Every single day that I get out of alignment with truth, when I go into fear, when I am afraid that I can't handle something, that my health concerns become overwhelming, that I feel like I can't live up to the expectations that I make for myself. Whenever I get into a place that I call going down the rabbit hole and I am able to get back out of it again, I am born again. And I have said to myself hundreds of times, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for getting me back into truth. Thank you, God, for reminding me that I can do all things with you, with your help, with your strength, with you giving me the power to be resilient and strong again. I can do all things. I remind myself always that I am human and that I will never get it perfectly right all of the time. I understand that I will have these times that I need to overcome. So there's a false belief out there that people who are really spiritual, that are really connected to source, will never get sick or will never feel fear or anxiety. And that's not the case. That will never be the case. We can still be really connected and really prayed up. And we will still have moments where we fall off the beam, but we can bring ourselves back more quickly. So Easter is the story of that. Jesus, the Christ spirit, God is alive and so are we. And he has given us the power to come back into alignment with truth every single day. God has saved us and made us born again every single time we come back into alignment with the truth. So after all that we've come through, the 40 days of heavy introspection and prayer and meditation and reading and writing, all of the work we have done, we have arrived at Easter, and it is good. Before we go, I have some questions so that we can stay on the path of transformation and be renewed and resurrected over and over and over again. When were times that you were born again? overcoming seemingly insurmountable obstacles. Thank you for releasing me from the bondage of. What bondage do you need to be released from? Thank you for healing my relationship with. Whom do you need to come back into alignment with, either by forgiving them or forgiving yourself or opening up totally new lines of communication? I am free from. What do you need to be set free from? Anxiety, pain, financial burdens, the practice of living in the past or the practice of living in the future. We talked about that quite a bit. So as we continue our commitment to live in the truth and to align ourselves always with peace and health and serenity and love, we acknowledge that Jesus paved the way 
and created a new reality for us that we can remember every single day as we tell ourselves, I am he who lives and was dead. And so it is. Remember at all times the power is in you. It always has been and it always will be. Thank you so very much. Happy Easter. Take very good care.